great morning this morning. Um, a few days ago, I was walking in the bush, and this scripture in Ecclesiastes three was going through my through my heart, through my mind. Ecclesiastes three says this: There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant. Time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear down, and a time to mend, a time to be silent. And a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. And I, that scripture was just going around in my head, and I just said to God, "So, what's the season, God? What time is it?" And the Lord just spoke really quickly back to me, and He said, "It's a time to seek." And this morning we spoke at length about what happens when God says it's a time to seek. And if you weren't here, you need to download that. Go to, you can go Facebook, um, C3 Church Facebook. You can go to the web page, and there's free podcasts. You can get those, and you can be up to date on what God is saying to His church. Amen. But in just take the piano out of the fallback here, and in um, in sharing that this morning, where He said there's a time to seek, there's a time to seek and not give up. And we talked about. How important it is to seek God in this season and not give up. And we've been through years of probably, you know, times where we were waiting for answers for things. We were waiting for answered prayer, and things hadn't happened. People were getting discouraged. But God is saying, if we just press in now, in this time, in this year, that God is going to begin to answer prayer, and He's going to begin. We're going to begin to see the fruit of our labor, and God is going to be fantastic. And um, Kat and Dave aren't here tonight, but they, you know, some of you were here this morning, you heard their testimony. Fantastic. And they gave me permission to share it. Kat and Dave are a young couple in our church and fantastic, fairly new Christians, haven't even been water baptized yet. But uh, they've been trying to have a baby for some time and she, they couldn't have a baby. And so they were on the altar all the time and she was crying all the time. And one day I asked, you know, why are you crying? They said, They've done a test on my um, tubes and they've said that my, both of my tubes are completely perforated, completely blocked, they've been perforated, there's no way through, there's no way eggs can get down, there's no way I can have a baby and they've said the only way out is IVF. And so while they enrolled in IVF, I felt this one day a prophetic word and I got a vision of Dave sitting right where you are Bridget with a baby in his arms and I said Dave I've seen you I've seen you with a baby in your arms I know God's going to give you guys a baby and Dave being a young Christian decided that okay well if God says we're going to have a baby we don't we probably don't need IVF um, he's just going to do it and isn't that beautiful and so he just said, nothing is impossible with God. And he stood on that scripture, nothing is impossible with God. He didn't want to give up. And he wanted to stand with his wife and stand with me. And we agreed together, Pastor Phil, myself, and this young couple agreed together that nothing is impossible with God. But they'd already began the IVF program. They'd taken all the hormones out of her body. That's what they do. And then they 
implant, I guess, and they put hormones back, artificial hormones, that will not reject the egg. And so she's in there, they've taken all the hormones out, and they have to do this blood test to see if they can continue. And of course, her and Dave want to tell them, we're not going to go ahead with the plan. We think nothing is impossible with God. And um, they're about to tell them that, and the, and the nurse said to them, you know, the blood test has just come back, and guess what? You're already pregnant. You're pregnant. Yeah. So that was great news, and they were just so excited, and they were just like, they came to me, they were crying, it's true what God says, it's true, we stood on God's word, and he was fantastic, and then a, then a couple of weeks later, they said, don't tell anyone, you know, because they'd already miscarried a baby, so don't tell anybody, because, you know, we just want to wait till about 12 weeks, till it's all, like, good, and, um, and so a couple of weeks later, they came, they were crying again, oh no, they're crying again. I'm thinking, oh, God, they haven't lost the baby. Please, no. And she's just a wreck. And so Pastor Phil goes up to her and he calls me like this. And he got that look on his face like, you better come. And I went up and said, what's happening? And he said, We've, I've had pain, terrible pain. I've just been to the hospital. They're pretty sure that I have an ectopic pregnancy. It was a pregnancy in the tube. Now, with an ectopic pregnancy, it's basically they've got to take the whole tube out and the baby dies. There's nothing they can do about it. Um, and so... I said, well, in the name of Jesus, that baby is going to come down that tube. Will you stand in faith with me, you two? Will you stand in faith with me and Pastor Phil? And we pray, and I prayed in Jesus' name, I command that baby to come down that tube. You know, I'm not giving up. I'm seeking you, God, for this beautiful couple and this little baby that's stuck. Stuck. And... Um, and so we commanded her to go down. And she's just like, oh, I hope. And I said, don't hope. Believe. Faith. And he's saying, that's right. You know, husband, beautiful. And off they go. And so then they, they, they messaged me a couple of days later. We just had the test back. The baby is in the uterus. The baby is in the uterus. And so they go to tell, you know, to their last meeting with the IVF program. They go in there to, um, to say to them, obviously, we're not continuing with IVF. I'm already pregnant. It's not ectopic. The baby's in the uterus. And the lady comes in to her and says, we've just done some tests on you. They've done some scans. And uh, I'm sorry, but the baby's not there. You've lost it. You've lost the baby. It's the uterus, it's, it's empty. There's nothing in there. And she says, I'll just give you a few minutes to process that. And Dave wasn't there. Her mum was there. And the mum just starts crying. And this little girl, who usually would just fall apart, just goes, no. No. God said. I don't believe my baby's dead. God said. And the next minute, the nurse comes back and says, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. I read the wrong chart. Your baby really is still there. It's like, come on. I couldn't believe that happened. Anyway, so... They got up this, t- this morning and they announced that she is now beautifully 19 weeks pregnant and healthy. <laughs> Woo! Sometimes you just got to seek God until, amen? You just got to seek God until. So I'm there this afternoon and I'm saying, God, is that all? Is it just a time to seek? And then he said to me, no, it's a time to speak. It's also a time to speak. And so just this afternoon he downloaded what he means about that. And so in Ecclesiastes 3.7 it says this, 
a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. Amen. And I was thinking about the people in the Word of God who have come to this place where they've been silent or they're shy or they're insipid or they're insecure or they feel inadequate and then God comes and says, speak. And they just freaked out about that. And, and you know, I think God's coming to his church and God's saying to his church, it's time to speak. And probably across the earth right now, the church is probably at the weakest it's been for a long time. It's a little insipid, it's a bit insecure, it's a bit dry. Right across the earth, God has been pulling back and allowing us to, I don't know, live with ourselves for a while until we really want him. (laughs) And now he's saying, speak. So speak now? Why couldn't you ask me to speak three years ago when I was like, woo, and on fire, and now I just feel like, bleh. And, um, you know, and my prayers aren't getting answered and this isn't happening and that's not happening and my finances are a mess and, and uh, there's trouble all around me and now you're saying speak, you know, and uh, I think that's just God. That's just God. And I think of Moses. I think of Moses. There's Moses. He's in Pharaoh's house. He's got strength. He's got dignity. He's got it all together. He's got authority in Pharaoh's house. And he, you think that God would say, now's the time to speak. Now's the time to speak, Moses. But Moses, he, he, he ends up killing someone. He has to run away. He runs away. He's living in the, in the desert and he's, he's, he's got this long beard and he's all dirty and he's grubby and he's never spoken to anyone for years. And, he, and then he has this burning bush experience and God says, speak. Now, and he says, but I can't even speak. I stutter and da 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 Now it's time to speak. And I thought about... David, in the Bible, where David was just out with the, in the field with the sheep and just minding his own business, worshipping God. And, and then, of course, Samuel comes along and all the brothers are there. And, and then he gets called in. Have you got any more sons? Oh, yeah, there's another son, but he's a bit insipid. He's a bit shy. He's not quite as muscly and good-looking as the others. And they bring David in and Samuel says, this is the one, and he anoints him as king. And then he just goes back to the sheep. And he's just quiet again. Nothing's going on. Nothing's happening. He's just with the sheep. And then he goes to this day, this particular day, his brothers are all gone to war against this Philistine named Goliath. And um, Goliath is there and he's ranting and raving. David just goes to take food. He just goes, you know, he's just doing an errand for his, his father. He's just a little guy. And he just sees what's going on and something rises up inside of him. Something rises up inside of him that says, you know what, I don't know, I don't think I can be quiet anymore. You know, something rises up inside of him that says, this is injustice. And inside of him there comes this roar. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine anyway that he would take on Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? There's that holy, godly, all those hours of worshipping God in a quiet place, something rises up on the inside of him and says, I can't take it anymore. Look at you. The mighty army of Israel in fear. And yet God is with you and you don't even know it. And so we pick it up here in 1 Samuel 17, 28. 
And David's asking, inquiring, what's going on here? And when Eliab, which is David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? How many of you know when you finally stand up to speak, the enemy's going to come at you and just, you know, why have you come? You know, you're a weakling. Go back to your sheep. And, uh, and he says, I know how conceited you are, this brother says to him, and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. And David looks at his brother and he says these words, Now what have I done? Can't I even speak? There's something inside of David that knows it's time to speak. And we pick it up in 1 Samuel 17, 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, this is Goliath, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And he starts to mock him, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said, David spoke. David opened his mouth. And everything that had been inside of him all those years, the God that he knew, the God who had said of him, he is a man after my own heart, rose up inside of him. And he said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank, the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down to the ground. Inside of you, some of you who have been waiting and God's been working on you in the secret places. There's young people, there's older people in this room where you just go, I know. I know that there's a time. There's a time to speak. There's a time to be silent. But there's also a time to speak. There's a time when something rises up inside of you. And what rose up inside of David was that God is God. And my God is with me. Amen. I may not be as smart and as talented and as strong as all of you, but my God is with me. And there has to come a stir inside of us when God asks us to speak, when God asks us to open our mouths. There has to be something inside of us that says, my God is with me. And the devil will come and he'll say, you're a sinner, sit back down. You're hopeless. You're no good. The last time you spoke... You made a fool of yourself. What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? You don't have a husband. Your husband's not even walking with God. Who are you to speak? You come from an unsafe home. You are a drug addict. 
Who are you to speak? But my God, my God, my God, my God is with me. Amen. And then we've got the story of Daniel. And Daniel is this striking young man. Quite high up in society. Well-groomed. Well-schooled. Good-looking. Fine specimen of a man. Like Garth. Like Garth. Yeah, you were thinking that, weren't you, Garth, just now? I saw you going. You nearly got the mirror out, but just, no, I resist. I resist. Fine specimen of a man. and, and, um, And Daniel is captured by this king, Nebuchadnezzar. And literally brought into a place of where they, they actually worship idols and satanic rituals and rubbish. And he's brought into this place as a captive. And he said, you will serve this king. Now David knows in his heart of I mean, Daniel knows in his heart of hearts that, you know, you've got to serve whatever leader you're under. And you've got to do it well. And he begins to serve and he's silent. He's quiet. He's not saying anything. He just does the right thing. He turns up when he needs to turn up. You might have a a job where, you know, you've got a tyrant of a boss. You might have a Nebuchadnezzar boss. But you turn up as a Christian. You do the right thing. You keep quiet. You might see things that go on that you want to say, no! But God says there's a time for silence. There's a time to build character. There's a time to be quiet and earn the right to speak. Sometimes God will put you in situations where you just got to earn the right to speak. And you just got to weigh it up, keep quiet, keep wearing it, keep copping it, and coming up with roses every time. And Daniel did that. And the only time that he would speak out And then it was only in a whisper is when they would ask him to do anything that would defy his God. And he said he wouldn't eat the food that was offered to idols. He would only eat food that was clean unto his God. And they tested him in this. And they said that he came up, him and his friends came up ten times better. Ten times better. You know, as Christians out there in the community, if we want to speak, then we need to have a reputation. We need to have something that gives us the right to speak. Not living like hell and then coming and convicting the world of sin. But living right, doing the right thing. I've heard some employees say that they would not hire a Christian. That they are are the most unreliable people and they want everything for nothing. No, we need to be like Daniel. If we want to speak, we've got to earn the right to speak and we've got to serve where we need to serve. He establishes himself as trustworthy and reliable. He stays in the background and establishes a good reputation, as I said, ten times better than other men. And he earns the right to speak. And when it comes time for him to speak, he does not speak his own words because he's been with God. He speaks God's words. And God's words change a whole nation. Amen. He could have said, oh, I don't like your food and I don't like this. He could have spoken a lot of things. I don't want to... I'm captivity here against my will and I'm not serving you, you scumbag king. No, but he just paid the price. 
did what he had to do, had a good reputation. And then in Daniel 2.16, we pick it up here. And this story is unfolding where the king has had this dream. King Nebuchadnezzar has had this dream. And he calls all the soothsayers and the astrologers and the sorcerers together who would usually help him in these affairs. And he says to them, I want you to interpret my dream. And they say to him, well, you've got to tell us the dream first. And he says to them, no, you're trying to trick me. Because if I tell you the dream first, then you'll just interpret whatever you want it to be just to, so you won't get your heads cut off. No, you go away and I want you to tell me the dream and interpret it. And so they go away, they, they all know, and they come back to the king and they say, there is not a man on this earth who can do what you have asked, King Nebuchadnezzar. There's no one that can interpret and, and tell you the dream and interpret it. And he says, all right, all you go, you're all going to get killed. And along with you, just kill everybody that reckons they've got some sort of gift. So all Daniel's uh, friends are going to be killed. These guys, these guys, these are the guys that, you know, are against Daniel, that he decides that he's going to stand in the gap and put his own life on the line. And he goes to the king and he speaks. And he says, King, it says here, 2.16, at least Daniel went to the king. How many of you know if you go to a king and you're not summons, it's death? But Daniel goes to the king and asks for time. He asks for time. He speaks. And so that he might interpret the dream for him. And then 2.26, and the king asked Daniel, also called Bathsheba, whatever his name is, Bathsheba, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And the king says to Daniel, are you able to speak? Are you able to tell me? Have you got something that you can tell me? Because I need answers in my life that no one else seems to be able to tell me. Young person, is there something you can tell me about where I'm going? And what's going to happen to my life? Is there a God? Is there eternal hell? Is there eternal life? Is there someone out there that loves me? Is there someone got an answer for me? Have you got something to say to me in my desperate hour of pleading? And Daniel replied to him, No wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. But there is a God in heaven that reveals mysteries. And Daniel was able to interpret that dream. And from then on, Nebuchadnezzar began to ask David all the time. Nebuchadnezzar ended up believing in the God of Israel because of a young boy who would not compromise who waited on God and prayed, who stood in fire, who was, was thrown to lions and yet still kept his character, his reputation and his honour. And then when the time came to speak, he spoke God's words and not his own. Amen. We look at Jesus. Of course, Jesus is Look at Jesus, everyone else fades. Jesus 
And Jesus, for 30 years, was practically silent. I mean, there were times where he'd go into the synagogue and he'd learn and he'd say things that would, you know, just astound the scholars. But they didn't know who he was or what he was doing. He didn't run around the neighborhood as a five-year-old saying, Oh, I'm the Messiah. You know, he was silent. He was quiet about it. He was growing in favor with God and with man as he developed into the man that God wanted him to be. And yet you see him now at the wedding of Cana with his mother and, and she's saying, Jesus, there's no wine left. And Jesus is saying, what do you want from me, woman? She says, Jesus, you know, you can do this. She's wanting, she's wanting him to speak before his time. And he says, woman, you know it's not my time yet. But, you know, he gives in to his mum, as we all do. Mothers have that advantage. Manipulation. Anyway, so, he, but it's not his time to speak. And then there comes a time, and he's baptised by John the Baptist, and he goes into the wilderness, and he's tempted by Satan. Forty days and forty nights he fasts, and Satan's coming at him, and he's giving the word of God back to Satan. And he wars, and he wars, and he wars over his own mind, over his own life, over his own calling, over his own gifting. And many of you will have times like that, where it's about, it's the times come where you're about to step out, you're about to be the fulfillment of what God has been working on for years and years and years and years, and the enemy will just come at you. And you must, in those times, know your word. You must be able to quote scripture. You must be able to fight with this sword and win. And Jesus was victorious over Satan, baptized in the Holy Spirit according to scripture, according to the will of his father. He walked out of that wilderness and he walked into his ministry and it was time to speak. Amen. And in Luke 4, 14, we see this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Many people, they want promotion for promotion's sake. They work at, you know, doing the right thing and saying the right thing because they just, they want promotion. They, they, you know, they want it now. But when it's God's time to promote you, let me tell you, you won't be able to stop him. See, Jesus only just come out of the wilderness and news spread. The word was out. In the spirit realm, something had changed. And Jesus was let loose. And then in 16, verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll on the prophet of Isaiah was handed to him. Now, you've got to know this is normal. Like they would go into the synagogue and someone would read from the scriptures. This is normal. So he's just doing a normal, normal Jewish custom. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. It was almost like his destiny was written down and handed to him on that day. He didn't choose to read from Isaiah. It was handed to him. It was set in place by God. Amen? 
And he unrolled that and he read from it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to speak saying today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing the first thing that Jesus says to proclaim the kingdom of God has come now in your midst and he speaks it out There is a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. Amen? Amen. Nathan, come up here and tell us what God is saying to you about this run. Just tell us in a few words what God's saying to you about this. A time to speak. Well, God's been saying to me, that it is a time for the prophetic in the church to speak. Like, I didn't think I was a prophetic person when I came to church 14 years ago. But then he's so many times. Yeah. He's just proved faithful for what he's... I've just read it down. Oh, God, what happens if I say this and it's wrong? Pastor Julie said, no, that's fine, Nath. Go ahead, do it. You can make mistakes. Yeah. I've wrote it. I've brought it and I've just prayed, let it, left it. And then it's always been what God has spoken. And that's what he's saying to these people. They just need to speak. Don't doubt because that's what the devil will do, put doubt there. Yeah. Just speak what he wants to speak. And that if you speak in what he speaks, then that's it. It's done. What else can I say about that? It's awesome. I had a dream about Nathan once. And Nathan, in this dream, Phil and I were going to preach at a huge conference and it was a big break for us. It was like, ah, this is what we've waited for all these years. You know, we finally got recognition. And there was thousands of people in this room waiting for us to come and speak. And they were all ministers. And we were the guest speakers. This is in this dream. And I'm really nervous. I'm really excited. We're driving to the conference. And God says, you won't be the guest speaker at this conference today. Someone else will. And we went, who God? Nathan Deeds. Go and pick him up. I said, God, he doesn't even wear shoes. And um, he's, you know, he's a street kid, basically, in those days. And he doesn't even wear shoes. He still doesn't wear shoes very much. Anyway, but that's all right. And, and God said, go pick him up. You said you would do anything I asked you to. And I, yeah. So we did. We went and picked Nathan up. We turned up to this conference. We told the organizers of this conference, we won't be speaking today. Nathan Dees will be speaking. And they're going, you crazy. We're going to sue the pants off you. They're going, not their heads. And we said, we just got to do what God says. Full of ministers. They're all in their black suits and ties. They're looking real stiff and staunch and uh, very, very, uh, yeah, very professional. And Nathan stands up looking like he did today, just about exactly the same in the dream. And he stood up and, uh, and he just stood there and he just tears in his eyes and he began to share with them who Jesus was to him and the relationship that he had with Jesus. And the next minute, all around the room, you just start to see these stiff, staunch ministers just breaking under the anointing of God and beginning to weep and coming to the altar saying, 
I want to know Jesus the way that boy knows Jesus. You know, you don't have to be great. Jesus hung out and picked the most peculiar people. He just needs someone to speak. Amen. Just just come up, Bridget and um, Ryan. Run. These guys are going to tell you what God's saying to them about being in a season of speaking. Um, in school this year, we've we both started at the entrance high. Like it's a school with about seven, eight hundred people, and most of them don't know little to anything about Christ. Like we, like when I've gone in there, like it started off, it wasn't a time to speak. I like people didn't know who I was. They didn't know anything about us, any of us. Um, so we went in there. And all we did was show love. Right. Like, that's all we could show. Like, yeah. we, couldn't, we couldn't speak to them because they didn't know who we were, like, what we'd done, what we'd come from. So all we did was show love and kindness to them. And we just, we sought their heart. We, we, we reached out to that because that, that's what was hurting most for them. They, yeah. don't, they don't know Christ or a saviour. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we've... Well, personally, and I'm sure Bridget, we've talked to many people now. Like, everybody knows we are Christians. When we first got there, we didn't, like, we sort of kept to ourselves. Like, that was only the only one regret that I would have, that I kept to myself for too long, that I didn't speak out sooner. That, um, but I'm glad that now I can speak freely and to my friends, and they respect that. And they, they there's many who have started to see that, and... Um, like I've got many friends who want to come to like youth and stuff next year, and I'm so stoked about that. This and year. Yeah, this, this, this year. year. Yeah, we're here. Um, yeah. In two and weeks, actually, isn't it? <laughs> it's nothing that I have done. It's just what Christ has done in me, and like all I've done has been living, living through His Word, trying my hardest. Like all, all I got to do, like I've been living on a conviction of that. Christ needs me to move before he can move me into a position of like power or prominence or anything like that that I used to stay still and God could not move me because he's in a God of like you do this now it's he's a God of will you do this for me and when I stayed still like maybe it wasn't as hard it was easy like it was comfortable standing there but except I wasn't doing anything for Christ. I wasn't doing anything for anyone. But when, once I started moving, I didn't think I was going anywhere. But over time, I just kept moving, moving forward. And then Christ positioned me into people's lives who needed him most. Amen. And that's all, like, I give him all the glory for that. Because, like, me personally, I cannot change anybody's lives. It's just, it's Christ. It's Christ who changes lives. Amen. Come over here in the light, Bridget. Come in the light, yeah. Yeah, go. Um, yeah, well, my, like, it's pretty much the same for me. Like, um, 
I walked into that school and um, when I got there, I, I just, I wanted, I had like the vision for the school to, for it to become really God famous. Like I just had this massive vision where God was just going to come into the school and um, the light, like he'll, everyone, people will see the light. And, um, and um, I guess like you see all the, the broken hearted people and stuff, but you've just, you've really just got to like love them and let God change them and, yeah. and let it be like God's timing and stuff. So, yeah. And what's God saying to you this year? Um, like, you got more fight. Do you think it's time to speak? Yeah, definitely. Like last last year, I I mean, I was loving people and all that sort of stuff. But this year, it's definitely a time to speak. I know that uh, I need to get like my confidence up, and I know God will give me the strength to do that. And um, yeah, and it's definitely it's gonna all happen this year. Would you challenge like other kids? Yeah, in definitely. Their I, I to encourage get kids to you. Yeah. yeah, I encourage yeah. um like all the young people here yeah. to just start seeking God and um. And he will give you the directions that you need, and and he'll help you to bring other people to God as well, which is really cool. Good girl, good girl, fantastic. Let's give them a hand. Awesome. You know, we spoke a few weeks ago about this being prophetically a season of a lion roaring, the roar of the lion. This is the year of the the roar of the lion. Where not just are we going to speak to the unsaved, not just are we going to speak to, you know, people, but we're going to speak to situations, and situations are going to change. We're going to speak to the powers and principalities that be that stop things. We're going to speak to the spirit of mammon to get get off our finances. We're going to rise up. The church this year is going to be given a voice again. The church is going to be given a voice, and that voice is going to be powerful. I think of Peter in the scriptures, and I'm nearly finished. And uh, here's Peter. He, 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 was, he was an unusual character, Peter. And he was just like so spontaneous and, and uh, what's the word? You know, rash will do. There's another word, but they'll do. And, um, and he would often make mistakes. But Jesus just had this real soft spot for this guy. See, Jesus saw something in Peter where there would become a day when Peter would speak and things would change and move. And this guy, he would always put his foot in, he'd always make mistakes. And the final mistake that Peter made was Jesus says to him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be crucified and when that's all going on, you're going to deny me three times. No, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. I would always speak up for you. And, of course, the day comes when Jesus gets dragged away and, and Peter cannot speak. Peter cannot. And he shies away. And he moves into this insipid place, this place of not boldness but fear. And withdraws himself away and denies Jesus three times. And he falls into this place I would expect of deep depression and a horrible place. But Jesus has something in store for him. And you know what? You might have tried to do some things for Jesus and then you feel like you've denied him. You feel like you've failed him. But Jesus sees something in you that you can't even see yourself. 
Jesus sees that you've got a voice. And he will make a way for you to speak. And when you speak, you'll know that God is with you. Amen. And so Peter comes and it's the day of Pentecost and he's gone to the upper room because Jesus has promised that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. And even though he's in this terrible place, he still believes what Jesus has said is true and he's in this room. And the book of Acts says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Acts chapter 2 Verse 1, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. And Peter is there. He's insipid, he's shy, he's withdrawn, he's probably depressed. But the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he begins to speak in tongues. And a holy boldness rises up on the side of him. And suddenly he sees what God sees in him because in the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit, anything is possible. God can get a hold of a man or a woman and he can do anything in the power of the Holy Spirit. Things that you never dreamed of, Jesus can do. God can use you for in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter, this insipid man who didn't want to speak, walks out of the upper room and gives one of the most profound sermons in all of biblical history. And 3,000 people come to the Lord that day. Because somebody believed in him. Jesus believes in you tonight. He believes in you. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can accomplish much. Amen. God says these words to Paul in 18, Acts 18 and verse 9. He says to Paul, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And tonight, God is saying those words to us. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. It's a time to seek, and it's a time to speak. Amen. Let's stand up.